0: How do you coach your clients up and what guidance do you give them on the need-to-haves versus the nice to haves?
1: How have you seen differences between like buying a new construction versus a previously owned home? <laughs> have
2: you ever seen the movie The Money Pit? No. With Tom Hanks? Mm-mm. Oh, it's an old one. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> <Oldies> <laughs> bit of goody. You don't want you don't want the money pit.
1: You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group LLC where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff.
0: All right, welcome to Financial Clarity for Doctors. I'm Corey Janoff, joined as always by Rochelle Vanderzanden. Hello. And we have a special guest here today, Rick McDowell. He is a real estate agent here in Portland. And full disclosure, he actually helped me sell a home and buy a home. So I've had some experience working with Rick, and he's very good at his job. And uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to bring him on the podcast to talk about buying homes. And selling homes uh, as well, because it's something that most people listening here today will ultimately face, and some of you are looking at that probably in the near future uh, or at the moment. So a lot of good stuff that we have on tap today with Rick, and hopefully address some questions that many of you are have been thinking about yourselves. Now, now full disclosure, you know this shouldn't be construed as individualized advice. So if you do. Uh, have questions. definitely recommend consulting with a real estate agent who is licensed in your state. If you don't have one already, Rick has a a referral network that he could uh, put you in touch with someone who is in your area. So feel free to reach out to us or Rick if you do need a connection there. But with that, let's get started. Welcome, Rick.
2: Thank you very much for having
0: me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks for making it in. Yep.
1: Yeah, so I was actually hoping to ask you a couple of questions myself. right okay. um, I have a real estate agent that I've worked with, and Corey mm-hmm. has worked with you, but I don't know you very well. So, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, like how long you've been a real estate agent, how many homes have you helped people buy and sell, sure. that kind
2: of stuff? Sure. So, I've been a uh, real estate agent for 31 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's my life's work. It, it truly is. Um, my number one desire and passion is to is to help and win. The respect of my clients and the trust of them, you know, and trust is kind of connected to character and competence. And I think that people want somebody like that in their in their corner.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, as far as homes sold over the thirty-one years, it's I haven't really kept great track of it, but it's certainly over a thousand. Yeah, so, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. But it's not the numbers of transactions. That gets me up every day. It's it's truly helping my folks or my clients uh, reach their goals.
1: So. Do you have a lot of repeat clients? Yes. Like people, yeah, I would think yeah. over 31 years there would be quite a bit of that.
2: Well, I have kids. Mm-hmm. Kids of clients.
1: Mm-hmm. That That's fun.
2: So it's, it's neat.
1: That's really cool. What are the biggest changes that you've seen since becoming an agent? I mean, obviously, it's been a while.
2: Other than the amount of pap- paperwork?
1: Oh. <laughs> well, that's relevant,
2: yeah. I guess. No, I mean, the, when I first started, the, the sale agreement was one page Wow. And now it's 13 <laughs> yeah. plus a bunch of disclosures. And that's just the sale agreement. That's just the The escrow and title paperwork. that's just the sale agreement. But I think... Seriously, I think that uh, the biggest difference is is the amount of information that our clients have now available to them through the internet. Um, our clients today are much more informed,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is great, which is great.
1: Do you think that people actually read all of that information they're given?
2: No, I think most do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think most do. This is a big deal
1: mm-hmm. for people yeah. you know and
2: I think most absolutely do um, do you think that addition of
0: information has been beneficial or not so much or no
2: both? Abso- absolutely been beneficial absolutely because it, it, when I first started in the business we had the um, multiple listing book and realtors that was that was kind of our Bible Mm -hmm. We were able to, okay, you come to me and we'll show you these houses. Mm -hmm. And now that's all on the internet. So people get... It's not uncommon for when we're working with a buyer that they actually see the home before we do. Yeah. I mean, Rochelle, did you?
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) So so it, it used to be, well, the realtor finds the house and sells it right and mm-hmm. now where our value really comes in is navigating through the transaction and and knowing what the value of of the homes are knowing uh what the market's doing knowing um, if there are any issues that come up during the transaction knowing how to work through that
1: Mm-hmm. makes
2: sense so so most of the
0: People that we have listening to this show often it's their first time buying a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are some of the biggest differences you see between first timers and people
2: who've done it before? Well, typically, first time buyers are at a different stage of life than somebody who's who's moving or or selling to buy something that they've outgrown. You know, maybe and uh, they're buying a move up house or they're buying a, a, a downsizing. So for first-time buyers, the biggest thing that I see is they typically don't buy big enough.
1: Hmm.
2: Okay. And, and the main reason for that is they've been renters. And they're typically young. So maybe they only need two bedrooms. One as an office, one a, a, as their bedroom in, in their apartments or whatever they're living in. So they, when they go to buy, they don't think five years out, seven years out, what's going to happen? I mean, are we going to have families? Are we going to do, what are we going to grow into? So they, they tend to think a little bit smaller when maybe they should stretch a bit. Mm-hmm. Do you think some of that might be a function of price, or just not
1: yes.
0: thinking into the future?
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is not thinking into the future,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, because you know. But some of it is certainly constrained by price. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll buy what we can buy, yep. but um, I think a lot of people they they can buy more than they actually do, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Just because they can buy more doesn't mean that they will mm-hmm. or they have to. But I, I do think that they tend
1: to be a little short-sighted a little bit Mm -hmm. a little bit and i would think i mean portland isn't the worst real estate market by by far but it's also not great you know like the prices are a little bit high here so i would think you would that would influence it quite a bit sure yeah sure yeah Hmm. Yeah, so I guess like setting expectations is important. Um, what do you feel people should be aware about when they're trying to buy a new home and, and about the process and how can they help it move sm- like smooth smoothly from your
2: perspective? Sure. Well, I think that it's, it's just that, it's process mm-hmm. okay? and we have certain systems um, to work through and help people find the home that they want. Um, it, it's, there are only three reasons that a, a person buys a home right you've got price
1: mm-hmm.
2: you've got area and you've got style
1: mm-hmm. okay right
2: yeah you know so um they so it's a process of elimination rather than a process of selection mm-hmm. so f- let's let's say that for instance we want to be in a, in a specific area a grade school mm-hmm. okay i want to be there and i've got I can afford $500,000 for the home, Mm -hmm. but I want a 3,000-square-foot home with a three-car garage and what have you. Well, what if there aren't any in that area in the price range? Mm -hmm. So we either have to adjust the price range, maybe go up a little bit, or we adjust what we're looking for, the style of the home. So maybe we don't get the three thousand square foot home. Maybe it's twenty three hundred square feet, Mm -hmm. or we don't get three car garage or or what have you. Mm -hmm. But you know, if they say, well, no, this is I need this, then maybe we expand the area. So we always we adjust Mm
1: -hmm. any of
2: those. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, it's the biggest part though is. Is the communication between myself as a real estate agent mm-hmm. and the client? Because if I don't explain that to them, they'll get frustrated. Yeah.
1: They Definitely.
2: will get frustrated. Yeah, they get frustrated. And again, my goal is to help them reach their goals. So if we can adjust a little bit and know ahead of time that that maybe there is going to have to be some adjustment.
0: You mentioned something in there about the you know criteria people are looking at for what they want in a home, and it's very difficult to find everything that you want in a home for the price range that you can afford. So yes. what do you uh, how do you coach your clients up and what guidance do you give them on the need to haves versus the nice to haves?
2: Well the the first thing is if it's a couple, I we ask that they each write their must haves would need need to have and would like to have list
1: mm-hmm.
2: by themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> okay and then they sit down together and go over those because if i did that with my wife diana <laughs> my my must have would need to have would be a really big garage
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know six eight cars
1: Done. (laughs) Six, eight cars.
2: I like to mess around on old cars. You know, that's one of the things. It is certainly not my wife's Mm must-have. So it it turns into a a would-like-to-have versus a need. So it it could be if we've got um, two kids, and we want each of them to have their own bedrooms, plus ours, we have to have three bedrooms. That's a need, or we need um, a space for entertaining. This is our lifestyle. We need that. Some of the things that would like to be would like to have would be the big garage. Maybe maybe I can get away with. Two cars. <laughs> we just park outside, and the hot rods go inside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had arguments with people about like, do you really need that? <laughs> or maybe not arguments, yeah. but discussions. Well, discussions,
2: absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, where those discussions come into play is is more style. Uh, uh, okay. Um, for instance, I don't want to have. a a galley kitchen.
1: Yeah. Right?
2: I don't like them. They're too small, what have you. Well, maybe that's the only thing that we can find in the area, in the price range that they want to be. So, where do we give?
0: What are some things people should do before they get ready to buy a home in addition to that need to have a nice-to-have list? And then, what are some recommended do's and don'ts during
2: that Searching and buying process. Okay, so the, the first thing that they should do is sit down with the with a great realtor and set a plan, and you know go over the whole process. That way, they know what we're what the realtor knows what the client's looking for, and the client knows the plan to go out and find one. That's first and foremost. Um, so you know, do. One, work with a great realtor that's got your interests, best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, we always tell people, we give them a stack of our business cards. It's like, okay, these will work just like get-out-of-jail-free cards in Monopoly. Go out and look at open houses. You're out driving around, looking at different neighborhoods, go. Go mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, We explain that the realtors that are sitting in open houses, what they're really doing is trying to um, find buyers who are unattached to other realtors and maybe neighbors who might want to sell their home. Okay. Okay. I mean, they want to help sell the home that they're in, but their main focus is lead generation
1: Hmm.
2: on that. where That's why they kind of follow you around. You, Rochelle, did you yeah. experience this?
1: I mean, I, I, it was a couple years ago now, but we did go to a few open houses without our real estate agent, and yeah, I mean, there's definitely like they want to talk to you, they want to know if you're working with someone already, sure, all that kind of stuff.
2: You're kind of hyenas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were also looking at a time when the market was very hot, so there were other buyers in the house. Like Absolutely. we were never alone in a house Absolutely. looking at a
2: house. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, but. The whole reason that we want our clients to go look at open houses mm-hmm. is when they start getting an idea as to the market, so that when we do find the house, we can make a move on. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, because the worst that can happen, especially in a, in a busy market, if there's multiple offers, mm-hmm. and this happens to be a really good house that fits you to a T, do you want to lose it
1: mm-hmm. just
2: because you don't know the market?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it helps them, and you give the card to to the agent and say, "Hey, we're working with Rick," and they'll let you look at the house. They'll answer any questions about the house that you might have, but there's no pressure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So so that's that's one thing. Um, don't don't fall in love with the house. <laughs> Truly. Those. I get that. Just yeah, not a house. Don't, don't, it, it, don't fall in love with it. Um, it makes it harder for me to negotiate on your behalf. Yeah. Because if if you said, I want this house, I, we're buying it.
1: Mm-hmm. Put your poker face on. Yeah, but it,
2: it's hard. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, we'll be able to negotiate a better deal if you haven't fallen in love with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Any other do's and don'ts or... Those are kind of the big ones. Follow follow <laughs> the advice of your realtor. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They know the market. That's what we do.
1: What are some other costs that are associated with buying a home? So everyone looks at the purchase price and they think that's it. Yep. But obviously there are other things too.
2: Yep. Yep. So um, the cost of buying a home or costs of owning the home?
1: Like both. Both. Yay. Both.
2: Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll start with buying and then owning. We'll <laughs> yeah. All right. So, costs. Um, there obviously, if we're buying a home, there's most people are getting a loan, so they're they're getting a mortgage. Yeah. Um, so there's loan fees on that. There's the cost of, of of the mortgage. So loan fees are about one percent of the loan amount, typically. Um, there's an appraisal. So now an appraisal is only determines what the lender will loan on the house the amount the maximum amount that they will loan on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not contrary to popular popular belief, it is not the value of the home.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay Now there's a contingency in our in our contracts that it's got to appraise for the purchase price. But it truly is only for the lender, to determine how much they will lend on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: um, that's about seven hundred and fifty dollars.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, inspections. So you're going to have home home inspections done. We have sewer scopes, radon tests. Um, if the if the home was built prior to uh, 1978, lead could, We could have yeah. lead-based paint testing. Mm-hmm. Um, hazardous materials. So. Uh, asbestos in an older home mm-hmm. is common so those those inspections um basic inspections are 650 including radon and, and sewer scope on that the lead and asbestos stuff that's that's on top of that mm-hmm. depends on the testing um you'll know, have title insurance and escrow fees
1: mm-hmm.
2: so um that's going to be 1500 bucks, and then tax prorates.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So property tax prorates, which are different here in Oregon than most er- other areas. Um, our tax rate, our tax year, um, goes July 1st through June 30th. So it's not on a calendar year. For,
1: yeah.
2: And then it's payable in November. So if we s- buy a home that, um, let's say we buy a home in, in April, Seller has already paid taxes through June. So then we're going to have to reimburse the seller for April, May, June, 3 months worth of taxes that they've already bought, paid. If we buy it in October, the seller's going to have to pay taxes prorates up until from July 1st up until we buy it. Makes sense? Yep.
1: And there's a lot of fees, is what you're saying. <laughs> a, yeah, lot are, cost. a lot of costs. <laughs> yeah. There
2: are There are. I mean, the, then there's all sorts of assorted ones. I mean, flood certification is the home in a floodplain.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, if it is, then you have to have flood insurance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, transfer taxes. Yeah. So depending on the county that you're that you're in, in here, in, in Portland area, Washington County, has a transfer tax.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Nobody else does. Hmm. Hold on um,
1: so depending on where you live, it could be very different, or there could be extra correct. ones. Mm-hmm.
2: Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, is it New Jersey that has
0: is it their millionaires tax? If you're if the home's over a certain amount, you got to pay an additional some fee. That, I don't know. I it don't might know. not be on the purchase. Maybe it's just an additional like surtax that you pay on your income taxes. But anyways, yeah, yeah. yeah. there's fees for everything. It varies from location to location.
2: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um other upfront costs beyond you know the money for the down payment and then cost to move, which I guess would be worth
2: mentioning because that's real. Sure. Um, well, as far as upfront cost to move in, I mean, maybe you're going to update the house. Furniture and you stuff. Know, whether it be furniture, painting, carpet, refinish hardwood floors, uh, maybe redo the kitchen a bit, put, you know, granite countertops or, or what have you if it doesn't have that. It, it it depends on what the buyer wants
1: mm-hmm. to
2: do the home. Um, so this goes back to the need and the nice to have list Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and some of those things can be put off, mm-hmm. but others can't. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe it's got Purple walls in one room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would call that a need. That's a need. <laughs> <laughs> need we new paint for purple walls. Need
2: to paint this. <laughs> so I <he> need <laughs> is one buyer that likes purple yeah. walls. Yeah, well, Two. it's rare. <laughs> it's rare. When selling a home, there are some fees. Obviously, you've got real realtor compensation. Yeah. In there, so um, that you know, and it depends on on what the realtor uh, charges. But then there's potential inspection repairs.
1: So mm-hmm. when the
2: buyer does their inspection,
1: mm-hmm.
2: what if we find that the sewer is bad? Mm-hmm. So we're going to ask the seller to fix the sewer line. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, depending on the market, like I know a couple of years ago in Portland, seller wasn't paying any of that stuff. Or excuse me, or, yeah, you know it was a seller's market, so yeah. the buyers would be responsible for pretty much all of those costs
2: to a certain extent. Yes, <laughs> you know it's all unless for it's something like dramatic. But, yeah. You know, so you know, so if it's a a material defect in the home, at least here in Oregon,
1: mm-hmm. if
2: it's a material defect in the home, so a bad sewer line
1: mm-hmm.
2: the seller will have to disclose that if if our deal fell apart, if we backed away from it, we're not in love with the house anymore at all um, the seller will have to disclose that to any and all potential buyers
1: mm-hmm.
2: so what's going to happen? The seller's going to have to fix it Yeah. so there are certain things that are are, are health and safety or lender required types of issues that we feel that regardless of the market Mm -hmm. seller's going to have to deal with it one way or the other Um, although if you've fallen in love with the house sometimes that's hard to negotiate Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. if it's like I have to have this house it doesn't matter it's like okay
1: yeah
2: will help you get there because that's what you want. But negotiating a, a little better deal kind of goes off the table mm-hmm. a little bit then. So this kind of, before we go back into ownership costs,
0: um, contingencies with making an offer, mm-hmm. you you get the, the be able to back out without being stuck. Yes. So explain that, how that works. Okay, so
2: the main, the, the most important contingency um, when we're buying a home, is the inspection.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, and, and think of it as as if you're buying a, a used car from whoever, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna I'll, I'll pay you this. We agree to a price, but I'm gonna take that car to my mechanic and have him check it out. The mechanic comes back and says, Poof. you know, all the, the the front suspension is worn out. You need to replace all the ball joints and, and what have you, mm-hmm. so, and that's going to be a thousand dollars. You go back to the car seller and say, "I know you didn't know about it, you know I, but you're gonna. We need you to fix this, or come off a thousand dollars." Yeah. What would you like to do? So an inspection is basically the same thing on a home. So it's the same principle. What we're doing is is we've come to agreement and about terms, price, etc. We'll close the transaction at this time, what have you. But then we have a certain time frame to do our inspections and agree to repairs with the seller. Again, we try to keep them to health and safety or lender required. It's not going to be the, um, the light switch cover's broken.
1: That has mm-hmm. a crack?
2: We want you to replace that kind mm-hmm. of stuff because that gets nitpicky. Yeah. But well, and
1: they'll give you a long list of things that aren't perfect. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Well, well, well if it's uh, an older home, especially. I would well,
2: say. and an inspector, they're they're paid to find everything. Yeah. They're right. And we want them to. We want them to find everything. Then it's a matter of going through with your realtor. Mm-hmm. What's the most important stuff? What are what's really important? And are there things here that if the seller does not take care of, I'm not buying the home?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if there are, and the seller says, no, I'm not fixing it, and you walk away, don't ever think that you wasted money on an inspection. Because that'll be the best money you ever spent.
1: Better than finding it out a year into owning the home. Yeah,
0: tens of thousands to fix it potentially.
1: Sure. Speaking okay. of costs have, of homeownership, <laughs> have
2: you ever seen the movie The Money Pit no. with Tom Hanks? Mm-mm. Oh, it's an old one. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> Only you don't want you don't want the money pit. So so that's your your biggest and most important inspection, you know, contingency because we can back out solely based on our opinion, mm-hmm. of our approval of it.
1: Mm-hmm. at least
2: here in Oregon it's it's written that way um it's all our our sale agreements are also um, if there's financing involved then the appraisal has to come in at the
1: whatever needed to get the loan uh, the,
2: well yeah. it it comes in at the purchase price it's written in there to to be the purchase price mm-hmm. um, now again an appraisal only determines what the lender will maximum amount will lo- will loan on the property. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we can rearrange some stuff. If let's say that an appraisal comes in twenty thousand dollars low on a five hundred thousand dollar home, obviously from a buyer standpoint, if I'm working for the buyer, I'm going to work on that, saying, "Well, Mr. Seller, it's we need you to come off twenty grand." Mm-hmm. And the seller's thinking, if I'm representing the seller, well, Rochelle, you agreed to pay $500,000 for this. You saw the value. It's just a bad appraisal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So where what happens? I mean, usually there's some sort of negotiation that goes on.
1: on that. You can build the loan around that $480,000 amount yeah.
2: if you have to. Yeah. to well, you, whether, or, or let's say that you're putting 15% down. Mm-hmm. So... If it's less than 20%, you don't have to worry about mortgage, or you have to buy mortgage insurance.
0: Unless you're using one of those physician home loans, which we'll talk about in another mm-hmm. episode,
2: but anyways. But, you know, it at that point, um, it, let's say that it's 5%. I mean, 20000 is less than 5% mm-hmm. of a $500,000 home. hmm so maybe you only do a ten percent down loan on the four eighty, but then the money, the extra the difference that you were going to put down just pays that difference. Mm-hmm. It's negligible on the mortgage insurance payment. It might go up five bucks a month. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
2: And the mortgage payment itself wouldn't it be
0: drastically mortgage different? payment the yeah. same is the same. On ten mm-hmm. percent versus fifteen yeah. percent
2: down? Yeah. Well, the mortgage payment. It's the
1: same size of the loan. It's the same size saying. of loan. Oh,
2: got it. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I
1: follow.
2: It's, it's, just, it's yeah. the same size of loan. It's it's, it's difference on the value yep. of it. Got it. So. so definitely there's definitely things. There's ways can do to work bit. around it. There are way, and sometimes, an appraiser, appraisers, if I went, Corey, in, on your home, you got three different appraisals. On it, hired three appraisals, you would get three different numbers. It's just an opinion of value by an appraiser. And some of it depends on what they use for um, adjustments. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a range that they can use that are, is approved for square footage adjustments on a dollar per square foot basis on on a house when you're comparing to another house. Well, some use a very low adjustment and some use middle to higher end of that allowable range. Same thing for um, backing up to a road, mm. you know? That's a detriment. But some don't give it as big a, a detriment. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, let's see here, so uh, that's basically it. Um, you've got uh, final loan approvals, you've got seller's property disclosures, those are all things that we can get out of the um, transaction if need be okay so
1: i guess how have you seen differences between like buying a new construction versus a previously owned home i would assume maybe that inspection might be a little less costly on a new construction or no no the
0: negotiation of price maybe i've been through
2: this myself yeah (laughs) yes so i mean the actual transaction is
1: similar. Very similar. Mm-hmm. Very
2: similar. Um, although it's rare that you get a builder to come off a price. Yep. There are a few exceptions to that. Um, if the build if it's the last couple of houses in the subdivision, builder wants to get going, get down to the next one, sometimes they'll they'll come off the price there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, some, same thing is if you're at the beginning of the subdivision. Okay. Okay. If you're they want to get people they want to get action going. So maybe they'll throw in some extras. Maybe so they keep the purchase
1: price high. That way they, they keep their purchase extras. price yeah. high. Yeah.
2: But then they 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 give you an incentive to be there while they're building the, the subdivision. hmm Like with ours, the price stay the same,
0: but we we're able to get air conditioning and yep. upgraded countertops and cabinets yep. for the same
2: price. Yes. Yeah. So, so which worked out really well. Which and we're thing,
0: you don't have the competition either of multiple buyers. You know, usually, it's correct me if I'm wrong, but you know they'll take one offer. Obviously, there's some contingencies and hoops to jump through. But once an mm-hmm. offer is made on a home, they essentially lock that home up. They're not they going to
2: field multiple offers correct. at the same time. Correct. Um, depending on the builder, mm-hmm. they may have their own set of paperwork or an addendum that'll be attached to our realtor paperwork that we do keep in mind that it's it, the that paperwork will be very much geared towards the builder
1: yeah
2: very much and geared. there's
1: not a whole lot
2: you could do about it. There, no there, yeah. there this is what we're going to do so it it it, it 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 makes sense and i think it's very valuable to have a realtor in your corner when you're buying new construction because they can walk you through all of those potential pitfalls because the salespeople that are at the model home they work for the builder yeah you know they're not working for you they work for the builder the builder really controls that so I, I it doesn't cost you anything more anymore to end up um, using a realtor when you buy a new construction home from a builder, so highly recommend it.
1: Mm-hmm. That way, you
2: got somebody in your corner. Um, sometimes the builder has an in-house lender.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so the in-house lender they'll and they'll offer um, incentives for you as a buyer to work with their lender. Maybe they'll have twenty-five hundred dollars of upgrades or whatever it might be. Just understand that there's no free lunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, it's it's worked into the loan somehow. So whether you're paying a little bit higher uh, interest rate, right? Maybe there's some fees that are a bit more. It's worked in there someplace. Yeah. I always think it's best to go out and get a, other opinions on your loan. Probably a mortgage broker is the best because they, rather than working for just a bank and have one product. And one loan, they have multiple banks that they can work with, and they can shop for a better rate for you Mm
1: -hmm. in better terms. Yeah.
2: So.
0: And back to home ownership costs. Most people, the the common statement is, I'm sick of throwing money away at rent. Here's what my new mortgage payment will be. And they see that as their new price. But that's not 100% accurate, is it? No.
2: No, because there are other costs involved. Like what? Well, you've got, you know... A lot of times, they're, they're, you've got utilities, you've got maintenance, you've got upgrades mm-hmm. that you might want to do. Um, usually, taxes and insurance and mortgage insurance—if you've, if you've put less than twenty percent down—those mm-hmm. will all be rolled into your payment.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's not just the principal and interest. Right. So if you just—if you ran uh, an amortization schedule then that only gives you principal and interest. Then you have to take the yearly taxes divided by 12, homeowners insurance divided by 12, plus then whatever the mortgage insurance. So that's wrapped into your payment. So it's very easy to say, okay, well, my cost is X compared, you know, if I'm paying $2,000 a month in rent and it's going to cost me $2,500 a month in payment. You can you can basically see that maintenance. Um, that's something that I think you have to budget for. Is there a general rule of thumb for how much, like a percentage of the home, no. or square footage? Or? I, I I haven't been able to find that <laughs> um, because it depends on the house. Yep. Depends on the age of the home. Uh, depends on uh, so the the expensive ones roof. So if a home is 30 years old, but they just put a new roof on it two years ago, you don't have to worry about the roof for another 20 years. But if it's 30 years old and the roof hasn't been replaced and it's got maybe another three years before you have to, then you have to kind of budget for that. And if a roof is $10,000 and you're planning on having to do it in three years, then you got to you know thirty three hundred thirty five hundred bucks. Would that be a good thing? Would the inspector maybe
0: be able to give you some insight into that? Like yes. these things, yes. here's with the normal life expectancy. Yes.
2: Okay. Yes. So, so the next ones are, are furnace and water heater. So, if a furnace is near, it, it's working. Mm-hmm. A seller, they've got to be able to, uh, for financing, for the buyer's financing. They've got to be able to give a furnace that's working.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Age has no bearing on it. Right. A good working furnace. Well, if it's 25 years old, it's nearing the end of his life.
1: It's got a shelf life, yeah. You
2: know, it, it really is. So there's ways to mitigate that though. Um, and, and a home warranty, mm-hmm. will they cost right around $500 a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can they will if the furnace goes out they'll come out for a a, a, typically it's like a $75 service call they'll come out fix it repair it or replace it Mm
1: -hmm. that's awesome
2: that's a pretty good deal
1: yeah
2: I personally Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I put I started putting my house is now 25 years old at about 19 years old I started buying warranties I now have new furnace, new water heater, new air conditioner, new appliances on certain things because the the warranty covers that. I'm thousands ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thousands ahead. So it might be something to think about. We always try to have a warranty included when we buy a house. We ask the seller to pay for it.
1: Well, right. And if you're not paying for it, then it absolutely makes sense. So, <laughs> There's no question But it's only there. for one year. It's only for one
2: right. year. right. So then you can continue that. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So.
1: And the other thing I was thinking is that with our clients, a lot of them work so many hours that they might not necessarily have time to do yard maintenance or household things on their own. And there are lots of things you don't have to do when you're renting, like yard work. True. That you do have to work on when you're a homeowner or you have to pay someone else to do it. So those are a lot of the costs that I think come up for people that they don't think about.
2: But it's that's also one of the conversations that we have when we first sit down with a, with mm-hmm. a client. What, what do you like to do? Yeah, I don't have time for yard work. Okay, well then maybe we're looking for a smaller, easy-care yard or we're looking at a, at a community that with the um, Homeowners Association HOA fees which is another part of
1: mm-hmm. I, possible you know,
2: cost. Possible cost um, <laughs> that that's included that mm-hmm. the that the landscape maintenance is included in that.
1: Yep.
2: So, or you know maybe maybe then they prefer a condo.
1: hmm
2: Maybe their lifestyle is such that we you know on weekends when on my days off I don't want to be doing yard work. Mm-hmm. I want to go skiing. I want I want to go up in the hiking in the mountains or go to the beach or whatever it might be I don't want to be tied to this right. so then we help them so it's all about listening so why is resale potential
0: important for buyers to consider when buying a home well
2: first of all it, it's it's location 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 because the the the, the I suppose the the fear is lo- loss of money, right? We're going to lose money on this. So location, you you've, retail, it's like location, location, location. There will be times when we're out looking at houses and we say, you remember location, location, location? This house has none of those three. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to, we, we, we try to stay away from houses that back up to busy roads, freeways. Yeah, you know, um, you, you just, you know, you don't really want to do that. It, it, it's a livability issue, but also it's a resale issue. Um, you don't want to back up to train tracks. hmm We don't want to back up to big, high-voltage transmission lines. Yeah. Not that that's bad. And some people, it's like, I like that because I don't have somebody right behind me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I guess the the best advice is that we don't know when it comes time to sell. Let's say that you're a doctor here in Portland Mm -hmm. and you take a job at running the orthopedic department at a hospital in Denver. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And you've got to move. We've got to sell your home in order for you to buy the home in Denver.
1: Yeah.
2: We don't know what that market's going to be in Portland at the time that you sell Mm
1: -hmm.
2: we don't it could be great which is like now Mm
1: -hmm. which
2: is fantastic it could be like 2009 or 10 when we couldn't sell hardly anything Mm
1: -hmm.
2: we don't want to have to overcome that objection to the home the only way to uh, overcome it if you back up to the freeway is by price, mm-hmm. and when it's a buyer's market, and we have more supply than we have demand, you really have to come off the price.
1: Yeah, so it's significant.
2: Yeah, it it really is. It's significant to begin with, but it becomes even more so in in, in a down market.
0: This kind of transitions into with a lot of our clients or doctors in general, You know, they might consider buying a starter home when they're in residency or mm-hmm. right out of practice with the intent that they're going to be moving elsewhere, most likely to another city within a handful of years. Yes. What are some considerations for those people and risks associated with that? And a lot of
1: the training programs are maybe three years, maybe five years. Yeah, so it's not a lot of time. You're
2: right, you know my sister-in-law um, went through that. Mm-hmm. Um, she did her residency back in Philadelphia, and now she's she works down in Eugene. Um, but they decided to rent. But one to three years is is certainly on the short side of time, um, given a, an annual rate of appreciation of three percent. It's about three years of ownership and appreciation to recover your per your buyers buying costs the loan fees and all that kind of stuff that you had to pay when you bought the home and the selling costs that's about the break-even point at three percent appreciation if the market's doing better than that then it shortens that time right okay.
1: but it's unpredictable just
2: it is unpredictable but, if yeah. it's below that it lengthens the time
1: mm-hmm.
2: so uh, <laughs> rent is but renting is just throwing money down the tube mm-hmm. as well where i think a lot of people what they forget and it is it really comes down to the the doctor or the the, the client's aptitude for a little bit of risk because you can do really well or not but when you have a home loan or a home loan, a mortgage, remember you're paying down principal. So, and I did I did a little bit of uh, amortization schedule. So let's say a four hundred thousand dollar house
1: mm-hmm.
2: with ten percent down. Okay. Okay. So you've got a, a loan of three hundred and sixty thousand dollars at four percent interest over thirty years. Mm-hmm. At the end of three years, you've paid down twenty thousand dollars towards your principal. Okay. So it's kind of a, a forced savings account. Sure.
1: Down right. To
2: 340 Right. You're now down to $340 on what you owe. Um, also Uncle Sam lets us write off our interest and in property taxes off mm-hmm. our taxes. So when you look at the rent versus buy. If you're if you're spending two thousand dollars a month on rent, it probably equates to twenty five to twenty eight hundred dollars in house payment as being the same out of pocket, when all those things are taken into account.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not counting the maintenance costs. Not counting maintenance or anything like that.
1: Yeah. No. There are some really cool calculators online um, that kind of show that rent versus buy thing, yeah. which I think are really helpful. They're, they're very helpful.
2: That's part of that information now that people have with the internet.
1: Yeah. That they didn't used <laughs> so to have. So much more information <laughs> than we used to have. Yeah. yeah.
2: So it makes deci- that makes decisions easier mm-hmm. on that. Um, keeping the house as a long-term rental has its issues.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Especially some, if you don't live in the same city. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you definitely... And I, I firmly believe in, in uh, property management.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, property managers, having them deal with rentals. I, I don't even have time
1: mm-hmm. for it.
2: And I'm in the real estate business, uh, but I'm not in the, the, the property management business.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Property managers will know all of the the ins and outs all the current laws all the local laws that about renting what you can do what happens if you have somebody's not making their payment and you have to evict them and you do it wrong property managers don't do it wrong
1: yeah so that sounds unpleasant
2: d- it, it is unpleasant you know and they know the market they know the market so definitely whether whether you're here or a long distance Landlord, it's definitely something to to have a property manager do that. I firmly believe in in owning houses. I think that's how you build wealth. Owning, don't It's one of the ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 definitely one of the ways that you can build wealth. Um, owning rather than selling. Yeah. So. This is just a random fun question to
1: end with. But what are some of the weirdest requests or demands that you've seen from buyers?
2: <laughs> this is a great story. I got a great story for you. <laughs> so, we were helping some folks buy a home, and it was we were there were four offers. Okay. And and there were two that were very close to the same, you know, price, terms, all that. And we were one of them. Mm-hmm. And the buyer's daughter had fallen in love with Bert, Ernie, and Oscar, the pet goats, <laughs> and the chickens. And the buyers wanted us to write that into the offer.
1: Like they wanted the goats and the chickens. We want, we, want the,
2: we want Bert, Ernie, and Oscar, the goats, and the chickens. <laughs> like, we're in multiple offer scenario. I don't know. I mean, what, <laughs> what are we going to do? Um, it, that might be a little hard. Yeah. But it's like, no. She And she was eight, eight at the time. This is must have. It was a must-have. It was <laughs> a must-have. So um, we do that. And it turned out that the sellers were moving to a place where they could not bring... And they were worried about the, the ghosts. ghosts. And they were worried about <laughs> the ghosts. And, and all the neighborhood kids that had grown to... to they, they were all sad that Bert, Ernie, and Oscar were going to be going, <laughs> you know? So it worked out as a benefit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and we ended up being able... They chose us because of that.
1: Did you have one of those cover letters that you wrote or Yes, absolutely? Oh yeah. Absolutely. That probably
2: helped too. You know, it, well, we had to because it was like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> daughter loves Bert, Ernie, and Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was one of those things where they chose us based on that. Right.
1: Hmm? That's a
2: good story. That's fantastic. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you, Rick? Send me an email or my website is rickmcdowell.com. That's R-I-C-K mcdowell.com. We'll include that in the show notes. Okay. Um, my email is rick at rickmcdowell.com. Easy. So it's Easy enough. And um, you can shoot me an email. Uh, my office phone is 971-727-8505. Just give me a holler. I'm happy to help however I can.
0: Well, thanks for joining us to talk about home buying, Rick. Be sure to tune in to the next episode to learn about selling homes for the first-timers here. My my
2: pleasure.
1: We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Finity Group, LLC.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on LinkedIn as well.
0: Check out all the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our blog, thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.